0: It is so good to see you guys. I was so excited to come here today and be with you. Most of you, I haven't seen you since last year. I need the drummer back up here to, to do the ba-dum-tis for me. So, welcome to the first sermon of 2020, 2020. Last week I talked a little bit about resolutions, also known as getting our S together. If you missed that one, I'm sorry. That, that happened to you, but I shared why it's super important to invite God into our process of transformation in our lives. So I'm not going to talk about any more New Year, New You kind of stuff today. I'm not. And in spite of my, you know, bit of a dad joke there at the beginning and my general love of puns, um, you are not going to hear a sermon from me about 2020 vision. Those are going on all over the city today, so I would encourage you to look at other churches' websites so you can catch their messages online, 2020 Vision. No, I, I have something else on my heart today that I wanted to share with you. And, and all at once, all at the same time, I'm going to be a little bit specific today, but this is also going to explain and discuss and sort of unpack something that is a core value of ours here at Vineyard Rolla. So I want to start by talking about the event that we have coming up um, on the 18th. Back Alley Story Hour, Saturday the 18th, 7 p.m. This is an open mic night for the community. Um, for the community, um, we do have church members that participated last time and will participate again this time. But we have invited people that we don't know to come and say or sing, or paint, whatever they want. We have no content guidelines. (laughs) I'm very excited about it. Some of you are familiar, some of you were here, some of you have heard me talk about this, some of you know what's going on, but some of you might not know as much about it, or you may be unclear as to why. Why are we doing this? I am a big fan of always talking about the why of things. We need to have a why. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background, and then we'll kind of get into the spirituality of the thing. Does that, does that sound okay with everybody? So first of all, you should know something that is historically true of this church in particular. For many years, many, many years, we have been praying to be a church that would truly engage with the community outside of these walls. The people that sit in these seats are important. We want to have a close, intimate, tight-knit community. But we want to engage with the people that are outside of these walls. There's There's a terrible posture, a terrible, awful posture that's crept into Christianity over the years, and particularly American Christianity. And that is that the church is a place of retreat and withdrawal, from the evil that's outside. We need to guard our membership and bar the doors against the world unless we will be contaminated by the sin. Like, like it's some sort of virus or a plague that we can catch by making contact with people that are other than us. To which I say emphatically, Malarkey. <laughs> like seriously, but I don't. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. This church has always, always, always since before I was part of it, which is about 20 years ago, like this month. The first time Vince and I walked through the doors of the Vineyard, always this church has had a desire to be different than that. What I just described to communicate a different posture when i first started attending here all those years ago a concept called servant evangelism was popular some of you may be familiar with that term but maybe not you would often find small groups of vineyard church members up at the local gas station cleaning people's windshields like not for donations like the street corners in the city but like just for free for no reason like here let me wash your windshield for you Um, groups of people would go out to the rest stop up on the interstate and just give warm meals to the truckers that were passing through and just some smiles. One of my favorite things when we first got here, the youth group would do this thing called a dollar drop. They would get a whole bunch of $1 bills and they would put notes on them. And the notes said, this dollar is a free gift just like God's love. And it did not have our church logo on it. You understand what I'm saying? It was not a PR campaign for Vineyard. It was a free gift just like God's love. And they would like leave them in the Walmart parking lot and, you know, gas stations and on the sidewalks. And once in a while, the youth leader would have like a group full of kids and they'd sit in the car and they'd park somewhere like a little stakeout and watch until someone found it so that they could see the reaction of people to this like small random act of kindness. And just the emotions that came out when, when people realized, I'm not just lucky today, someone has done this for me intentionally. You know, and a dollar, a dollar is a dollar, right? I mean, it's not a huge sum of money, it wasn't a huge investment on their part, but it, it mattered so much to some people. So we wrapped Christmas presents for free for years, for a decade at Kmart until Kmart did not exist anymore. And this posture of serving the community in this way, that was the catalyst for what is our now annual, also going on for over a decade, St. Patrick's Day hot dog giveaway mm-hmm. in which we set up stands on the corners of the church up here and we give away hot dogs to everyone who's, who's walking the crowds, throngs of people walking <laughs> past the church on their way up to Pine Street for the biggest party that Rolla throws all year. And we give them hot dogs and smiles and no preaching. It's weird. We're so weird. But I love it. And, and then, of course, there's the mission. The mission, we started the mission as a tiny, like, three washers and dryers free laundromat um, a long time ago. The free laundromat opened in 2009. And now hundreds of people every year are served by the nonprofit that it has become. They provide uh, relief in practical ways. You know, food, showers, laundry Um, I hope you guys know people slept in this building last night, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 people if the census has, you know, been consistent with what it's been. People that for a variety of reasons are experiencing homelessness in our community and they're invited into our literal space with no judgment and no questions and no hoops for them to jump through. That sign that we have up in our main lobby on the other end of the building that says we love our city. That is not just lip service here. That is our heart. It is our identity and it is our calling as a spiritual community in this city. And it has been for a very long time. We are always praying and dreaming about how to live into that calling more and more and more. And specifically, in recent years, we have been pondering, what does the church have to offer to those who are not connected to spiritual community? They're not typically churchgoers. And they might not be struggling materially, but we all have needs, don't we? Needs nonetheless. There's people who have become disillusioned with a standard evangelical narrative for a variety of reasons. That's another sermon for another day. But how could we as Vineyard Rolla communicate to the people that are outside of the church that they matter to us? They matter to us, they're not a project. And and how do we communicate to people that we, as Vineyard Rolla, we don't subscribe to that hazmat suit of holiness kind of faith? How do we let people know? How do we communicate that? So last year I was talking to a friend of mine, who is a local musician, became part of this church, a follower of Jesus, precisely because of the difference in our posture that I just described a little while ago. But we were just sort of like having a conversation, shooting the breeze. And he he talked to me about this open mic night that used to happen at one of the local bars. And Um, more than just the opportunity to share music, which is important to all you know people who are creative need an outlet for their creativity, more than just that opportunity to share what they had, there was community that formed around this weekly event. People would bring food and they would hang out and they built like this relationship and this family and there was something about the look in his eye when he talked about this thing that had happened so long ago that was just so moving to me. And I thought to myself, we should do something like that. And so last last year, after that conversation, I mentioned that one time to Bonnie Cox. And she came back to me a few months later having dreamed into existence, back alley story hour, like the amazing creative soul that she is. Um, Not just music, but also stories Poems and art would be invited to participate in this, in this space for the community to express itself. And we made it a party. You know, we had a food vendor here that sold good food, and we had St. James Winery here to, to sell alcohol because we wanted it to be a party. We, we uh, practiced Christian liberty at, at Vineyard, in case you didn't know that. Um, everything in moderation, but but the grape is good. Um, But we were really hopeful when we were putting this together, but up until that night, like, I still wasn't sure. I had a little bit of anxiety about it because, like, an open mic night in a church basement, like, that could go either way. That could go either way. But, you guys, we ran out of slots for speakers, and not just church people, but like other people. The majority of our speakers were not connected to the church. It turns out people really are desperate. They're longing for a place to share who they are, what they care about, and to be appreciated for that. It turned out people wanted that. They needed that. Over a 100 people came to our first event. I personally witnessed people that I had never seen before, they're not connected with the church, I don't know who they were, on their cell phones calling friends saying, you gotta get down here, this is amazing. It was just incredible, beyond my, my wildest dreamer imagination, what happened. One of my personal favorite moments from that night happened when my friend and former city council colleague Daniel Jones, if you're from Raleigh, you probably know who he is. I just love Daniel. He shared his story. And he said this at the end of his talk. He said, sometimes he feels like this building is the heart of Raleigh. That every good thing that happens in Raleigh comes from this building and the good people in it. which is, of course, an exaggeration, right? Like, good things happen other places, too, (sighs) obviously. But, oh, my heart, when he said that, I stood in the back of the room and I wept. We are on to something here. We really are. And I am 100%, 1,000% absolutely convinced that it is straight from the heart of God. And here's the why. I promise you the why. In this scripture passage that we're about to look at together, Ephesians 2, uh, the words will end up on the screen behind me, but if you need a copy of a paper Bible, we've got some on these um, speaker stands. Feel free to use your device. I hope the Wi-Fi is working good today. But Paul has written this letter to the church in Ephesus, now, Ephesus, was a, it was a major Greek city. It was not a Jewish city, it was a Greek city that Paul had traveled to during one of his church planting journeys. And what we need to know before we read this passage is that there was a lot of tension in the early church. A lot, a lot. We tend to idealize their circumstances, but there was a lot of tension as the, the Jewish people who had become followers of Jesus, they had a long history of being members of God's elite chosen people. Like they were the stuff. And, and they practiced their faith by being separate and different and, and, and altogether other than the people around them, the culture around them. And suddenly, suddenly now Jesus has come and they have to adjust they have to to adjust to the inclusion of Gentiles, the non-Jews, into this new framework that was following Jesus. Suddenly, everyone was invited to the party. Everyone. And not all of the Jews were cool with that. And even the ones that were cool with that They insisted that they were only cool with that if the Gentiles would change everything about themselves and act like the Jews. Please tell me, please tell me that you can see the parallel between this situation in the early church and the country club that American Christianity and particularly some segments of evangelicalism has become. You are in or you are out. And to be in, you have to be good enough. And those that already consider themselves to be in, they're the ones that get to decide what good enough looks like. And those that are out, they better change if they want to come in. This is exactly, exactly what Paul was writing to the Ephesians about. Jews and Gentiles and specifically the Jews who were clinging to the exclusivity of their faith and their arrogance at devaluing the spirituality of the Gentiles based primarily on a set of external practices and behaviors. My way is the only way. If you're not doing it my way, then you're not a Christian because Christians look like me, circumcised, pork-free, shirts made out of linen or wool, not both. Ugh. Here is what Paul says in the middle of this discussion that I find absolutely profound and utterly undercommunicated in the church today. Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, and that's all of us, by the way, all of us, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law, setting aside the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Listen, listen, Paul is saying, Listen to me, Jesus has a different agenda than we do. Yeah. Jesus, if you remember, prayed that we would all be one. And we, in the, in the church, we make that about denominations, like the Methodists and us should get along better, right? Because Jesus wants us to be one. And yes, we should get along with the Methodists. And in fact, we do get along with the Methodists. They're great neighbors. I love Pastor Bill. He's so great. But Jesus doesn't think on as small of a scale as we tend to do. The two groups that Paul was talking about in this passage were the Jews and everyone else. Those who considered themselves to be God's people and also the people that they considered not to be God's people. And Jesus, Paul tells us, Made the two groups one. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He obliviated the differences. Why do we then try to magnify them? Why? Who exactly do we think we are? Honestly, That we would be arrogant enough to tell people who God has invited to his table that they are not welcome because we don't want to sit next to them. How dare we? Through Jesus, Paul tells the Ephesians, we both have access. Furthermore, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5... Paul tells them and tells us that our posture, our posture is to be this. 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation Has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Jesus changes everything about the way we think and the way we approach life. His goal is our utter transformation into his likeness. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. From God. God is the one that has reconciled us to himself. I do not suddenly get to claim that I have done some great and wonderful thing by becoming a follower of Jesus and being reconciled to God because Jesus did the work. God did the work. He is the one that is doing the reconciling. But all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of Of reconciliation. And here's what that is. Verse 19. The ministry of reconciliation is that God was reconciling the world. Everybody. Both the groups. All the people. The world. That is the most inclusive term. God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting people's sins. Against them. And he has committed to us that ministry of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Our calling as followers of Jesus is to take the same position toward the so-called outsiders as Christ took toward us. Because of Jesus, we are reconciled to God. Our sins are not counted against us. We are not supposed to huddle in the corner and hoard that for ourselves. We are not supposed to hide in here and collect dust, congratulate ourselves about how reconciled we are. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to spread the word to everyone everywhere that God doesn't count sin against us. Because Jesus demolished it. We're supposed to help God make his appeal that that actually the truth is everyone is invited to the party. Everyone is invited. It's really interesting to me, and I'll close with this: this, this issue of being an ambassador, of representing God's interests in the world. An ambassador of, you know, say a country. They can do a lot to either accurately or inaccurately represent the work of the group that they belong to. An ambassador has a lot of influence over the reputation of the group that they belong to. That's why I think I was, I was so moved by the response to Back Alley Story Hour last time and by Daniel's statement about the reputation of the vineyard in our community. That's why I nearly wept at our Christmas Eve service when a visitor approached me and told me she chose our Christmas Eve service because she felt that it would be unpretentious. and that's why i am so pleased every time someone comes to us having heard from someone they know or just the buzz around who we are as a congregation every every time someone comes to us because they heard that we are a church that knows how to love everyone i want us to have that reputation Because we are representing Jesus. And I want Jesus to have that reputation. It's it's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. Not everyone understands. Especially the religious elite. Paul knew that better than most. In that passage when he refers to that dividing wall of hostility, he likely has in mind an actual wall that was a part of the Jewish temple. And that was a wall past which um, anyone who was, was foreign could not pass, could not go. Um, the historian Josephus it tells us there was an inscription on this wall, and here's what it said. No foreigner may enter... ...within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That's a wall of hostility. But the interesting thing to me is in Acts 21, there's, there's an account of Paul being arrested... ...and brutally beaten because a Greek man was seen traveling with him... And, and it was actually an Ephesian man. So the bigoted Jews, who didn't like foreigners, they assumed that because that man had been traveling with Paul, that Paul had brought him into the temple, and that was that was forbidden. And and they were mad, and they hurt him, and he went to jail for a really long time. You can read the story if you want. It starts in Acts 21. But do you see? Paul had a reputation. Things were assumed about him because of his reputation. He had a reputation, he had a ministry, and he had a message. And it mattered more to him than anything in the world. Even his own health, safety, and freedom, that those three things be aligned with God's heart and God's purposes. And I say, may it be so with us. May it be so with us.